0: My name is John Belton, and thanks for listening to my Success Stories podcast. From an early age, I've been intrigued by success, what it means and how people achieve it. I've spent all my life working, first as a fitness trainer, and then also as a performance coach with incredible people who inspire me every day. While they employ me to make them accountable, I actually thrive on following their progress and seeing them hit their goals. And that's the interesting thing. Everyone's goal is unique, but regardless, success leaves a trail. So in this series of podcasts, I want to dig beneath the bonnet and find out what makes successful individuals perform to their best. And the under the bonnet analogy couldn't be more appropriate than introducing my guest today, GT racing car driver, Aaron Taylor-Smith. Okay, so Aaron Taylor-Smith, thank you for coming on on today to chat to me Um, and our success stories. So, the first thing I want to talk to you about is, what does success mean to you? Um, well, firstly, thanks for having me on. Really, mm. like, I love doing stuff like this,
1: so, yeah, no, I really appreciate it. Success, to me, like, it's it's a very basic definition of what I see it in my mind is, you know, it's it's someone setting a goal and achieving that, be it in a workplace, be it in a family life, be it in a sporting realm, it's, that's all success is. It doesn't have to be, you know winning at everything, it can be, you know, you wanted your kids to go to bed at eight and they have, and all of a sudden then you're having the best, (laughs) the best life possible.
0: Very true. And just to go on to that, your, so your background is essentially motorsport and you've been at it from an early age. So tell us exactly your current status. Your last, your race season has just finished up. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, it has indeed. So I raced, well, for this season, I raced in what's called British GT. Um, It's obviously in England and it is a GT championship so gt means it's say endurance style okay. racing so okay. as opposed to um i guess even formula one which is a lot more say just one duration Um our races can be you know three hours to 24 hours that type of thing um and as you tipped on i've been involved in motorsport pretty much my whole life um and i would say from a young age you know it has been one of the biggest influences in my life into making me who I am now. Um, and it's, yeah, I've, I've loved every part of it.
0: Okay, and you're obviously doing well because is it true that you've set some standards no other Irishman has achieved in British GT? Is that correct?
1: So that would be back to British touring cars. So, yeah, like I have, I've... Kind of my claim to fame is to be the only, you know, Irish driver to win a race in that championship in 35 years. So wow. it's, you know, it's, it's something that... Um, I've loved doing, and I I continue to love doing, but I'm very conscious not to let it say define who I am as a person, if that makes
0: sense. Yeah, and I think that's very interesting, especially when we're talking about success, Mm. because success, as we we know, has many different meanings. And at different stages in our lives, success may be getting the kids to bed, or it might be asking that girl out for a date. Mm. So when it comes to success, do you notice that there's a trend that you use yourself, whether it's, you know, do you use visual goals or do you just think of something and then just achieve it? Yeah, like
1: I've, I've kind of played around with it all, you know, from working with sports psychologists to seeing what actually suits myself, from writing down goals to having a, a dream board, what, what actually works for everyone is so different. For me... Um, it's probably just being the best version of myself on every day. I know that sounds really simple, and it's, it probably is hard to then to define what success is to me, but if I can go to bed each night proud of what I've achieved, um, be it on a track or be it, you know, at home or anything like that, then I am happy out.
0: Yeah, I, mean, I definitely agree that it's a day-to-day thing. People mm. think, okay, success in six months, and they think about the six-month thing. And you have to break it down into small manageable chunks you know um one step at a time so let's go how does your career path start so you're british gt now yeah how do you get from you know growing up in dublin to racing gt and british gt and all the rest of stuff that you've done
1: yeah it's 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 funny our story because like only on the way in here i was actually trying to piece it together as to what i've kind of been doing my whole life really because it's (laughs) It's been such a part of it, but also not a part. But I probably, like I've been, like I turn 30 um, in November. So that would be 17 years in motorsport. Wow. So I guess at a young age, so I was, that makes, well, I was 13 when I effectively started. Probably at that age, I was, you know. I probably wasn't the most sporty kid possible in school. Okay. So I guess like I found that hard. I was probably one, never really one of the cool kids, so to speak. So I find that very hard to believe. No, it's 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 genuinely the truth. It was it was like I, I guess it was hard. Um and motorsport was something I was always interested in. And my family were really, you know, supportive and mm-hmm. helped me get into it. And I think that really gave me you know, a focus when yeah. I was probably you know 13, 14, 15. So
0: what did you so at 14? What sort of cars do you race? Do you take your mum's car out and race nah. it in the fields, <laughs> or is that a story for another time? Yeah, no, I, I learned to drive in a field. But um so
1: I did like all the kind of national series of go-karts in Ireland. Okay, and um, did really well in that, like won all the kind of, those series and progressed up through the European side of it, and then over into cars at. 16, I think it was. Wow. So,
0: so racing competitively at 16.
1: Yeah. Um, and it was, you know, I guess it was it was a great experience and it, it gave me so much focus in my life. And I think that's what's good about having kind of a sporting background. You see how hard you have to apply yourself to something to see what the rewards are. Mm-hmm. Um, and you also, like, it makes you kind of self-reflect a lot more, you yeah. know. And that's where, from, from an early age, like it was probably... Yeah, when I first started, it was, it helped me, f- you know, not fit in, but feel like I was a bit more of a normal kid
0: yeah. because so I could have a bit more of a focus. So you, you found your tribe in motorsport yeah. perhaps? Yeah. and that's very important because, you know, we, we, I think a lot, it's better now, but a lot of kids back in our day mm. got pigeonholed into, you know, play rugby or play soccer or play Gaelic or do long distance running mm. and, now when I look at, you know, the shapes of some of the clients who train when they said they were long-distance runners, I'm like, well, you're clearly not predisposed to be a yeah. long-distance runner. No wonder you weren't successful at it. And in turn, then, we see people, you know, who, who think they're failures because they weren't a good long-distance mm-hmm. runner, where in fact they would have been a great shot putter or a sprinter, etc. So is motorsport, is it a, a very small community or is it something in Ireland that's growing or what's the...
1: Yeah, like Stacks. in Ireland, you know, in Ireland, it probably isn't the biggest, say, industry it could be. So when you go over to the UK, it's a lot more commercialized. Um, and that's probably where I spent the majority of my time racing, effectively. Mm-hmm. In Ireland, it's it's a close-knit community where a lot of people, everyone knows each other type of thing. Um, and it's probably, it's definitely growing and it has potential to get, you know, onto a a professional level in Ireland, but it probably just isn't there yet. Okay
0: come back to that and do you think so if you've read the I think it's Malcolm Gladwell book Outliers I'm not sure if you've heard of it but Hmm. he essentially talks about uh, you know are, are we outliers or are kids kind of put in a position where they if you're kind of doing well in a team you get to play with the county team so you play with kids who are better than you which then brings you forward you know, and and takes your performance level up. So do you feel that getting into the u k. to race brought you to to the next level? Did it change the standard of how you view things or did did it make you realize the standard you needed to be at?
1: Yeah, it did. you know, and I think that's where we're very fortunate to to get to go over to the u k and see the level that it can be done at. Um, and it, it definitely did push me as as an athlete, as a driver, everything like that, to kind of continuously develop rather than just, staying at the one level your whole life. Mm-hmm. And I think that was, you know, in terms of, of a, you know, moving towards a professional career in us,
0: that was definitely the right move to do. To go to UK. And so as a car, a motorsports enthusiast or a professional car racer, obviously your toolkit needs to have more than just, I sit in behind the car and I drive it really, really fast around corners. So in the build up to a race, for example, now, what do you do? What's your week before the race look like?
1: Yeah, like a, a lot of kind of preparation in terms of, you know, preparing notes, everything like that and watching onboard footage. I think it's, you know, I've always been like anything. You're going to win or lose away from the activity itself, mm-hmm. not when you're there. By that stage, it's too late. <laughs> you, yeah. you know, the opportunity to prepare is is gone by. And I think no matter what it is, I apply myself to be, to apply myself to. I always like to say that no one will ever outprepare me. So mm-hmm. that's something that I'll I can vouch for. That I've seen. Yeah. That. <laughs> so that's something that, if you if you don't have the ability, because I guess sometimes like everyone always questions their own ability, you want to make up for it in preparation. Okay. So if you can be the most prepared person and have every variable boxed off you're going to put your best foot forward.
0: Okay. So does that involve a virtual look at it, Like, are you looking at the race online? Are you looking at the screen? Uh, sorry, yeah. Uh, recordings of the race? Do you have notes on when to stop and start? Yeah, exactly. It? Okay.
1: So I'll have all, like, say, the onboard footage, all the telemetry that's picked up inside the car. What was that word? Onboard, or the telemetry, or yeah. the, yeah. So all the kind of squiggly lines that will tell you, like, okay. how hard you're braking, where you're braking, where you're changing gear, all that type of stuff. So that's quite um, an important aspect of it is being able to kind of understand that and prepare away from the track with it.
0: Okay, so looking from the outside in, you would go, Aaron's just really fast in a car. Yeah, and I people, guess. You know, and he, he just happens to be, that's just how he is. But the reality, and I'm aware of this because I've seen it, the, the amount of preparation you put in, hmm. the amount of time you put in, the note-taking and stuff like that, it's, not, it's no wonder that you're achieving what you're achieving. Yeah, I guess it's,
1: from the outside, I would always want it to look like a, a polished look, but probably from the inside, it's a house of cards. <laughs> so it's a case where you are just preparing as much as you can um, and making sure that you have all the tools that you need to succeed. Succeed. Brilliant.
0: And tell us a little bit about the car you raced this hmm. year, because it was a pretty cool looking machine. I was looking at it on your Instagram.
1: Yeah, like it's, so I drove one of the Ford Mustangs in British GT, where it's, a really cool piece of kit, like as you can imagine, like a, a Mustang is quite a big old car, but these are very, um, they're worked on, very, like there's a lot of finesse that goes to mm. them, a lot of carbon fibre, everything is, is you know, is optimised to its highest level.
0: Okay, and I also saw the video you sent me last week of your race, Yeah. do you care to elaborate a little oh, bit yeah. on
1: that? It probably wasn't my best
0: weekend to date,
1: but I think that's what comes from any sport. So we had our final round of at Donington Park in the UK, um, and I had a little bit of a mishap in the race, where resulted in quite a big crash. So that put us out of the race, unfortunately. But I'm fine. And what sort of speed were you hitting? I would say that's probably probably close to 110 mile an hour, okay. and you to a stationary stop. Yes. So it's 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 part and parcel of it, and I would say. From my own ass, from my own side, it doesn't faze me in the slightest. Like, I always feel worse for the likes of, like, my wife, Lauren, who's there with me. Mm-hmm. And if she would
0: be worried, because
1: when it's in your own hands, you don't really mind. You know,
0: you're okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, again, just to say, from the outside looking in, you're very successful. Mm-hmm. And you were, you, you know, maybe at a lucky break or you, you had a couple of races, you won. But the reality is there's a huge amount of preparation comes in. And we can see that in your note-taking and in your studying of the track and, also, how you look after yourself with training, which we'll talk about. But have you faced adversity at all at any stage as a, as a you know as an athlete and mm. in motorsport, or has there been times where you've questioned your own self or felt a bit of imposter sort of syndrome? Yeah, for sure.
1: Like I think, as I said, like when I tipped on at the start, like I probably <clears throat> fell into motorsport to kind of help guide me through those kind of younger years, and I probably allowed it to define myself that little bit too much. Um, when I was 16 17 that type of time and it was it was probably really hard because you i allowed kind of myself to have too much of an ego around it Mm -hmm. um and kind of i would say that was probably the hardest point of motorsport because it was a case where you know you were in the wrong circles where people were only kind of wanting to be your friend because of what you did Um, and so that was really really tough and i think that was probably the hardest bit of adversity around the sport is trying to manage your own, um, you know, your own ego and how you kind of treat everyone off the back mm. of that. How did you overcome that? Like a lot of different ways. And I think I, I genuinely believe my wife, Lauren, is probably the main reason as to why she helps me so much because um, I can see even a lot of my peer group that would be in it. And you see it in a lot of sports where people lose themselves mm-hmm. into who they see and who they want to be seen. And. Mm-hmm. Um, And it took like, yeah, a couple of years of hard work of actually, you know, really redefining who you are and putting out what you want to be um, and not who. Because a lot of the time I felt like I probably was behaving in a way that is what other people wanted to see um, as opposed to being true to myself.
0: Yeah. And when you're not true to yourself. You know, and I, one hundred percent can relate to that. It, it eats away at you mm. a little bit, and you know, sometimes you can feel a bit lost in yourself. You're not on on a path that really aligns with your values, and you know, I think uh, it, it's very, very important to have the right support network around for that. And um, so, moving on a little bit from that, I speak and we speak about performance. So you work with myself now, mm. which we're we're hugely proud to have you as part of the team in number seventeen on a, on a part time basis as a coach. Uh, you you know you're doing an astounding job and people love you and you're great. Well, that's always good. So uh, when you started off, or you said the fitness and you know sport wasn't a part of your life, and I find that hard to believe, mm. especially now when I see you on a rowing machine yeah. or lifting weights. So do you think there's a role there for for fitness and looking after your your health? I mean, what difference does that make when you're racing a car? You know, I think
1: it makes all the difference because it's that type of thing where, and I, I truly believe it in it across every part of life really Mm -hmm. where when it comes down to it you want to make sure that you're in the best you know shape that you possibly can be in motorsport it obviously can dictate results but in everyday life it can dictate your well-being your just your general outlook on life as opposed to you know optimizing the very last tenth of performance in motorsport yeah um and i think it's it's proven to be really valuable for myself just to kind of be able to focus myself into something so healthy Mm-hmm. Um, and also improve my
0: performance. Yeah, and what's the like? What's a career path like? Is it, it, you know? Is there longevity in the industry? Are you young? Are you getting towards the middle of the pack? Are you one of the yeah. kind of OGs of of motorsport? Like it's the the age
1: can really go. You know, there's people well into their fifties that still perform at a very high level. Um, and that's the thing where it can kind of be somewhat on your own terms. And I've always said to myself that. I will always continue, um, but always in the back of my mind be comfortable that if it came to an end one day that I would still be the person I am Mm -hmm. and never let it kind of really rule my life.
0: Yeah, and I think that's important. I've seen that myself in the gym that, you know, when people are defined by, oh, you're the very fit guy or very fit girl or you're the person who's in great shape. If that's ever taken away from them, they get very, very lost very quickly. Mm. And you know what, life d- does throw these curveballs at us where we're not always going to be the fastest rower in the gym, etc. So it is important to have, <coughs> excuse me, the it is important to have the support network around you to keep you grounded on that, but also hobbies and pa- yeah. and you know pastimes. So. In your off-season then, what does that look like now that you're finishing up this season? Will you take up a new sport, a hobby? I know um, some of the, the Formula One guys get into triathlon, isn't it right? Yeah, and you do, like, I'm
1: always really active. So, like, the off-season is, it's nice that the stress of motorsport and the stress of that sport is kind of removed, especially for the next probably six to eight weeks. Once it gets to Christmas time, you'll be working on the contracts for next year. So... That is a little bit stressful, but for the next while, it's nice to just have our everyday life and get to like love that side of it. So I normally find myself that I try myself into my training a lot more and do everything from, you know, indoor rowing championships (laughs) to anything that I can get an entry for and have a go at
0: indoor rowing remind me again how you did last year in the indoor rowing championships so i think well i got a sixth sixth in, in ireland r- yeah, yeah which is quite cool was that your first one it was yeah so okay.
1: i'll be going back this year for sure to have another go at it and um, what did what was your time last year so i did a 122 7 for 500 meters okay, that's very fast so it was cool it was it's, it's a lot of pain um and it's something that I would like to have another go at
0: to see if I can kind of creep up that board. Brilliant. So the competitive nature needs to be fed throughout the off season as well. Yeah, for sure. you spoke about contracts and all the business side of it. And again, we don't think about that when when we don't know much about the sport. There's obviously a lot of business involved. Mm. Motorsport's a huge industry um, and business is something that you're quite good at from my experience working with you. Tell me a little bit about your other business that you have as well.
1: Yeah, so my wife and I are, well, we look after P1 Nutrition as well. So that is a nutrition range that is tailored for the motorsport industry. So it was able to, you know, maximize my connections and experience from the motorsport realm and also then utilize kind of my mo- my wife's skill set mm-hmm. in bringing everything together. And... Mm-hmm. Um, and it's something that we get to work on every day together, which is really nice, and yeah. have that t- between us effectively.
0: Mm-hmm. And that's essentially supplements that mm. improve performance and optimize performance. Yeah. Um, P1 Nutrition, isn't that
1: correct? Yeah, that's the name of it indeed. So yeah, it's, it's all about kind of maximizing your performance in
0: a kind of healthy and sustainable way. And now that you're working as a coach, mm-hmm. and you're sick of listening to me lecturing and talking about our corporate athletes and performance... Do you see that same connection for your industry, essentially the motorsport world and the importance of little details for Mm. bigger picture results? Do you see that spill over to your clients in the gym as well?
1: Yeah, massively, because it's what it is about. Like, you know, people may look at me as some kind of, you know, an athlete of some description, but at the end of the day, everybody wants to better themselves in some capacity. So I love getting to see the success of people, be it, you know, maximizing a back squat or, or if it was a case of just getting better at air squats that type of stuff I yeah. love to get to see people kind of working through what has always troubled them and come out the other side of it
0: yeah and that for me that's once you learn how to do that whether it's with your training mm. whether it's with a mobility issue or an injury and uh, once you learn how to you know meet the weakness come up with a strategy to overcome it you can then apply that I I feel in other areas of your life as well yeah Um, So I I did speak about adversity and how it has has kind of bounced before for you. I know that you, you spoke to me, was it last year you had a pretty bad accident or was that two
1: years ago i think it was a year and maybe a year and a half ago maybe two i can't really remember i can't really remember much of it so that would that would feed into that (laughs) so
0: give us a quick blow by blow so i had
1: um one very bad crash in when i in my last season of british touring cars um so it was in qualifying when it's already a very high stress situation because it dictates your whole weekend effectively um, and a car that was somewhat in front um, pulled apart off the engine, dropped loads of oil on the track, um, and I was one of the cars that came across this oil. Um, and it resulted in I probably hit a stationary car at about 140 to 145 mile an hour. Um, it knocked me unconscious straight away and broke one of my legs, damaged some of my ligaments in the other, um, and I stopped breathing. So it was right.
0: it was a bad oil crash. Right. And you know you stopped breathing because your are Fitbit red Yeah, you correct? did indeed. So,
1: so by the time the medics got to the car, they had to resuscitate me. So I came back around, then I fell unconscious again. And this was just as a cycle that continued until I got to hospital.
0: Wow, that's pretty scary. And I can only imagine you mentioned your, your teammate as such, Lauren, who was... In the pits, yeah. listening in. So as a couple, that's it's pretty important that two of you guys obviously have a, a good relationship around all this sort of stuff. She's, she's coaching you along and she's communicating oh, yeah. with you. Um, so what's going through your head when you essentially come to in hospital and you realise, oh my God, I'm after having a crash and I've broken my leg.
1: Like initially it was how bad is the car and can we get back tomorrow? <laughs> and then it's... <laughs> Upon a reflection, I know it probably should be, I hope Lauren is okay with the fact that this that, has that happened. That was the right answer. <laughs> yeah. I gave it, gave it to you there. Yeah, so <laughs> it was, um, like, I, I genuinely feel worse for Lauren being there because it's so hard for her. She has no control over it. Um, and I think, being honest, that's probably the only thing in the future that would ever want me to stop racing. Yeah. If we um, If we're lucky enough to have a family and whatnot, there's no way that I would want um, our little ones to ever have to worry about me.
0: Yeah, no, and it, it is. I mean, I worry about you now because. No, nah, there's no need. <laughs> Look, I'm, glad, <laughs> I'm indestructible. Glad the seasons over. Yes. <laughs> um, okay, so that's really, really important that you uh, you, you keep that balance between mm. you know looking after Lauren, racing hard and fast but not getting into any crashes. Um what does the future hold for P One? Are you guys growing at that brand now? Are you just in Ireland? Are you just in the UK or is it a global business? Yeah, so I, I would say, you know, once we get towards our our main markets, our mainland
1: Europe, um out into Asia as well, is quite a good market for us and Australia. So it's a very much a worldwide scene. Um Ireland is probably the smallest market just because of there's not as many, say, motorsport license holders yeah. in the country. Um, and it will just be continuing that growth. You know, I think it's, I think we're in something like 21 or 22 different uh-huh. countries now. So that's quite a nice little feat to have. And I'd like to just continue seeing that grow. Are you driven by business the same way you're driven by motorsport? Yeah, like, like again, I know this, I know the theme of this is success, but the success of business gives me as much of a reward as succeeding on a track um, yeah. because I just love I love to to see a plan come come true
0: and you don't have to answer this I suppose but are you driven by the financial gain or are you driven by the oh my god that actually uh, that product happened it's mm. now on a shelf somewhere or is it a bit of both
1: like this sounds so silly but I really I don't care for money mm-hmm. um, like I feel once, once I have Lauren and our little dog Archie and they're well fed and looked after, I'm pretty happy out um I don't really I'm probably the most unmaterialistic person that I know, which is um, which is odd because you you float around in these paddocks where people have, you know, two, three million pound supercars at their disposal where it just doesn't phase me at all. Like my I, my drive comes from just you know, bettering our lifestyle really as opposed to a materialistic way. Yeah,
0: a, I think, a, a, in my view, that's a healthy, a healthy balance to life. And that's where I think success sits somewhere in that sweet spot where money isn't something that you're worrying about. Um, but it's also something that, you know, you, you have it there, but you've got the balance of looking after your family um, and, you know, you can see a positive outlook for your future and all that sort of stuff. And I just see a lot of people getting lost with that and mm-hmm. thinking that, you know, with, with more money or, you know, a different level in work, uh, success and happiness will come. And in my view is that they they're still looking for that happiness yeah. once they get there. Um. So what what are your big goals in for the next three, six, nine months? What's your have your training goals aside like, from the indoor rowing? Sorry. Yeah,
1: indoor rowing. November. That's going to be the next one. Um. You know, goals wise, it will be seeing P one expand into more countries. Mm-hmm. Um bettering my own training but also bettering myself as like a performance coach effectively and seeing people succeed um
0: more than you know more than they have been in the past yeah that's cool um and a couple of other little things i wanted to talk to you about was your kind of future in the sport you're saying you know there's maybe three to five years would that be fair yeah i think so i think it's a case where i kind of Take each year as it comes okay. now. Um, do you see a spillover from your coaching going back into motorsport? Is that hmm. something? Because I, I do see your coaching passion and it comes across quite clearly. Do you have any passion to mentor or coach in the in the motorsport world?
1: Yeah, that's. it's something that I can see you know, a direct correlation with. Um, it's something that I'm currently working on with Motorsport Island and their Young Driver program okay. to bring a performance coach into this to help mm. Not just, you know, training aspect wise, but also, you know, from a psychological point of view and how they approach race weekends, everything like that. Um, Because it's something that I know at at a young age, say, when I was competing, it would have really helped. Um, So that's why I think there's a big value to it.
0: It's like the same, be the person you needed when you were growing up. Yeah. Okay. So is it it a large community? Are there more young lads racing go-karts now? Is it growing? Is it getting better? Is it going backwards? I think in Ireland it is getting more and more popular, um, and it's
1: it's something that I would love to be heavily involved in and mm-hmm. seeing because it's because I've been there and I've made all the mistakes. So these youngsters and especially now that there's more of an influx into the sport, it'll be good to have a structure there to help them kind of better themselves,
0: give some direction or have hmm. a you know a buffer at least on either side of their journey. They're going to have yeah. to make mistakes, and I think for me that was you know. A lot of the lessons I've learned have came from silly mistakes mm. that I've repeatedly made and then hopefully made some changes that I've have moved forward from that. So you mention, mentioned a very important person, I suppose I could say, which is Archie. Yep. Um, damn right. Do you think pets, and this is a random question, but do you think pets have a, have a, a big part in your health and happiness?
1: I think so. Like, I in think a it's... new dog owner that you are. Oh, damn right. It is, it's unconditional love. <laughs> I love mm-hmm. it. Like, I love that. Um. I, I love the... What I really... What it, what he means to me, this is very deep. It's kind of like it's laying down roots. Yeah. Because I felt like for like probably five or six years, Lauren and myself have been moving to England, moving to this place, moving to that, and we've been all over the place. So having our own little doggy is something that has finally felt like we have a home.
0: Oh, well, that's very, mm. very nice. And I think, um, you know, having a base and being grounded is something that a lot of people are missing now because... We're living in such a virtual world where we're looking at what's going on and facebook across the world and instagram here and we're listening to people on a podcast in the states and having your feet planted on the ground and feeling grounded is something that i feel it is, is a huge part of my mm-hmm. life i literally like to be my bare feet walking around the garden in my mum and dad's house and it gives me a sense of calm and it gives me a sense of belonging and i feel that's where i'm from um, and, it, you know, having that pet and creating that, that family environment is a lovely way to do that. And you guys obviously have just, Archie at the moment, would you ever consider getting a second dog in there and building that?
1: Yeah, we, when we were actually over in England, um, there was a guide dog in training. So a little German Shepherd that apparently was going to fail. So I would like, you know, if I was to get another dog, I would love to get something like that. Yeah. Like, a, you know... A, uh, to give another dog a chance because Archie is our little rescue from the DSPCA yeah. so I'd like to get another one of those
0: Excellent So talking about racing and coaching and everything else like that if, if you were to be remembered what what legacy would you like to leave leave behind you or what would you kind of hmm. how would you envision that is it something you've even thought about or are you still looking to set big goals Like,
1: Yeah I guess you know It's away from that almost. I think the first thing that that I would want to be remembered for is being, you know, a loving husband and hopefully one day like a great dad. That would be, that's something that's that's most important to me. Mm -hmm. Then from, you know, apart from that, I would like to be remembered, you know, as an athlete, but an athlete that didn't allow allow himself to be defined by the sport.
0: Yeah. Okay. That's a pretty good way to, Mm. to look at it. Thanks for that, Aaron. So, just a couple of quick-fire questions. These are things that I I hear people asking you in the mm. gym, and are definitely uh, something that comes up a lot. So, what was the first car you ever owned? Um, a Volkswagen Polo. And what do you drive at the moment? <laughs> this is
1: there's no real connection to it. A Volkswagen Tiguan. So one of the jeeps, mainly so Archie can fit in the boot. And you're
0: not you're not sponsored by no.
1: Volkswagen. I'm not. I don't know why this has happened. This sounds it sounds fixed, but it's really not. Would you drive an electric car? I would just because I
0: love to be cheap. <laughs> um, what sort of trophies have you won over the years? What What are your biggest achievements? Um, you know, I think
1: being like Ireland's motorsport young driver of the year was a big accomplishment for me. Trophy wise, um, Lauren doesn't let us keep, doesn't let me keep any trophies in the house because I think it's it's nice to have that balance. So they all go to my dad. My dad, that's his pride and joy. Okay. Um a question I hear people, why are you not racing Formula One? I would give it a go. Um, it's just the opportunities that were there for me never led to that. It was always I aspired to get the British Touring Cars and off the back of that, now we've kind of fa- fallen into a career in GTs.
0: Do you think, did you ever aspire to race Formula One?
1: Probably not. I think to get to that level, you know, you probably need to have... 10 or $15 million sat in sponsorship funds or personal funds or whatever way you can get to, you know, to get to the feeder series of Formula 1. So it was never really on the cards.
0: What have you sacrificed, do you think, if anything, to achieve goals in your life?
1: Well, shortly after we got married, myself and Lauren moved over to England to live in a caravan. So we got to live that full, real, um, you know... Rough and ready lifestyle. Okay, rough so and ready. That's yeah. what I was thinking. Yeah, I was, I was trying to find the politically correct term for that. Um, so she put up with that for for two years, between pipes freezing when it gets cold, to the electricity going out because you have put on too many heaters, to holes in the walls. So that, I think, was the biggest sacrifice okay. that we put in to reach our goals. Okay. So it was just you and Lauren? It was. It wasn't a full racing team there as well? Oh, sorry. Oh, my bad. Yeah, I, I thought from my own personal perspective. Well, firstly, when we moved over... We lived in um an old pub that the team manager bought. So I literally our bedroom was in the main area of the pub. Like we, we got a bed and pulled the kind of fully set dinner table set the aside. There was all like the taps and everything like that in the room um that we slept in. Then eight or nine of the mechanics that were working in the team lived upstairs. Right. There was one bathroom, one shower. So it was as you can imagine that is what is that? Ten
0: guys in total, and then Lauren. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. Lauren has been painted in an unbelievable oh, light like, today. Like she's a superhero. She's superhero. A superhero. Yeah. Um, and she's definitely kept her brand, So I'm delighted to see that. Another quick question: penalty points. I've none. I've never had any. Do you speed when you're in Ireland? I don't. People are always so
1: disappointed when they get in the car with me. I would say Laren is a faster driver than I am, and uh, a better Parker. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Basically, an all-round better version of me. <laughs> <laughs> um, what about the, your favourite track that you've raced on? Um, I really like I really like Spa in Belgium, just because of the the history to it mm. and the setting of it, and for Belgian waffles. So that's that's a, good. yeah, wins on all accounts.
0: Okay. Okay, and what is the fastest speed you've ever driven? I would say probably 180 mile an hour. You know, I think top speed
1: is impressive, but it's more the speed at which everything corners at. Like, that's what's genuinely terrifying, effectively. Mm-hmm. So that's what's quite nice. Like, I remember we've put passenger seats in some of the race cars in the past um, where we'll bring guests out. Even Lauren has been in the car and everything video. like that. So it's... When people get into it and they feel how quick everything slows down and how fast it goes through a corner, that's probably the most important, impressive
0: aspect. Okay. And if you were to give three tips for success to, for anything in life, what do you think they are? I think the first one would be setting
1: goals for yourself and attainable goals, not ones that are just, you're going to lose your way trying to find. If it's getting to bed at 10 o'clock every night, that's, that's a goal. The second one is holding yourself probably accountable, you know, and, and being OK with making mistakes, mm-hmm. but learning from them. Mm-hmm. And the third, these are really on the cuff here. The third would probably be surrounding yourself with like minded people. You know, if if you want, you know, there is a saying that you're like the five, you are similar to the t- Is it the you're most like the, the five, five people, people you spend the most amount so of time. I, with.
0: I don't I know exactly what you're getting at. I, yeah. And I do believe in that. I think that's very, very true. Um, because in business as well, if you're around people who are negative or talking you down, you'll very quickly believe them and, and, yeah. and it can be very, very destructive. Um, last little question, what's your favorite gadget that you have at the moment? Probably
1: that everybody in number 17 talked me into getting, my Garmin watch. <laughs> so again, that's probably like, I feel like I spend more time on that than I do on a laptop and a phone combined. So it's that's my my toy,
0: really. Yeah, so what comes back at me is that performance is something that you're extremely interested in. You don't even realise to what oh, yeah. level you're interested in performance.
1: Oh yeah, like, like I went for a run this morning and my watch told me that it was like, A low par performance, which really grated on me. So did your day. Yeah, yeah, I did. did. Okay, I get that.
0: Um okay, well listen, one of the next things that we're gonna do together is a day out in Mondello.
1: Yes, we are
0: indeed. And what what's in store for me there? So it'll finally be
1: something where I know more than you, which would be quite (laughs) nice. So that will be so I've done a lot of work out in Mondello in the past, and it is there are a great bunch of guys that run the place out there. It's a great facility. So it's it's something that we'll be able to go out, do some driver tuition for the day, and allow you then to bring me around in one of their like supercars. I think they have like 911 turbos,
0: everything like that. Okay, good fun. I'm kind of looking forward not to being in the passenger seat, but to driving. Yeah. So Aaron Taylor-Smith, uh, husband, dog owner, motorsport man Mm. and personal trainer and all the rest that you are thank you so much for your time and for your thoughts and guidance on what what success means to you and uh, i look forward to chatting to you again hopefully soon no for sure thank you once again for having me thanks